Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is March the 17th, 2017, and yesterday is Friday. What a beautiful, gorgeous day it is. But remember, we don't sleep on the weekends. If you're in that entrepreneurship and that business matter, you keep it grinding. I don't like to use the word, but you get what I mean. But with me today is a man who has got his grind and hustle on. He has come from the world of the Wall Street and Capitol Hill, but he's also a social justice activist who regularly participates in nonviolent public actions to address climate change, economic injustice, inhumane immigration policy, oppressive violence, and militarism. But now he's bringing a whole new spin to you, something that you probably wouldn't even thought that he does. He's a poet. He has wrote a great novel, Letters to Alice, to be exact. And we will get in more detail at the end of the show to tell you where you can get it from. But right now we're going to bring our guest, King Grossman, on. And if you have any questions, feel like calling in, do so at 347-426-3751. King, how you doing? Hi, Technician. Glad to have uh, you I'm, on. Well, it's it's great to hear your voice, and it's great to be on your show. And I and I and and I love the Atlanta area. I, I'm out on the West Coast right now. I'm looking out over the Pacific Ocean, but I I love your fair city. I've been there several times. I know it's so it's so gorgeous right now. We dealing with cold weather, and people was expecting hot weather because I'm a waitress as well. And my guests would tell me, I thought I was coming to Hot Atlanta. Give it time. It's still Hot Atlanta, darling. It's Hot Atlanta. We just got to go well, to the has bipolar weather. That's why I tell people. We have bipolar well, weather. But, yeah, that's right. uh, King, I'm really it, impressed. It, go ahead. Well, well thank you. Th- no, no, I was going to just say on, on, on even even commenting on the weather, uh, it, 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 to me there's a thread that moves. You have to move right into social justice uh, and 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 restorative uh, climate justice because uh, one way to say it is global uh, climate change or, or, or global warming. Another is a way to say it is global weirding weirding <laughs> because the weather <laughs> patterns are, are are changing so much. Uh, so yeah yeah. It is. I can't wait for the summer to come. That's my best season. You can keep winter. You can keep everything else. But some, I, I love it. If it could say some all day, I, I could probably take that. <laughs> uh, um, but, but, King, I was so impressed with just reading a little bit about your biography. I mean, you start off in Wall Street. That's a known – everybody knows Wall Street. You know, you have to – you got to be on your grind to be in Wall Street. But now – you turned over a new, a new leaf. You are a poet. You wrote a novel. What led you to this path? Why do a novel? Why did you get out from well, Wall Street? Well, I, I both. Uh, first off, I knew I was an author and a writer and a poet when I was young, and I had a, a instructor of mine in, in college. It was a junior college in in Mesquite, Texas, a little suburb outside of Dallas. But he held me after class, uh, best teacher I ever had, and he told me my writing was special, and I was a freshman in college. And a young guy just trying to figure out which end was up. But when he told me that, um, it, it spoke the author into my heart. And I knew immediately that that's what I needed to do, that that would be my most genuine calling, if you will. Um, and, and yet I went on, I had a, a, a career in politics. I worked for Lloyd Benson when he was a senator from the Texas up in, and I worked in Washington, D.C. And then I came back in, in, to Texas and got involved in, in, a, in business so I could get a paycheck, you know. And, and yeah, I mean, I had a good career in, 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 in finance. 
I, I was a money manager that uh, I didn't take commissions to sell people things or, or, or so forth. I charged a, a flat fee to help people maintain and uh, their 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 value and to find good value so it put me if you will in a in a in a position a little bit different than than a lot of folks in in the wall street and that is i was looking for the truth i was looking for companies that actually were doing good things uh now you know and 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 serving the community well and creating a honest profit so it was a challenge i i used to say one of the reasons i kind of made the switch was you know it was time to write because I was spending 85% of my time uh, um, kind of, uh, if you will, sorting through all the fog, the haze, the misdirection at Wall Street, uh, rather than getting at, to, 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 to try to get at the truth. So I, I felt it was time to do some truth-telling of my own. So I set out and I started writing. And that was about 20 years ago now, actually. And I've written this uh, Letters to Alice is my third novel, but my most recent novel out. Wow. I'm very happy with it, but yeah, and I'm working on my fourth novel. So that's wonderful. I mean, to go from a businessman—you're still a businessman—but to come from suit and tie, now we're getting relaxed. Now we're becoming something, and writing seems to be to be such a passion for you. You could tell it. You said you're on your fourth novel already. Yeah, that was your passion. Yeah. Um. Sometimes we we do stuff to make us the money, but we don't really do our passion, and with the passion comes along the money. But if you're doing your passion, it feels so good. It can make you feel so happy. That's why I tell people, if you're not happy where you are, you know what you could do about it. Shut your mouth and make a change. Do something that you love to do. Talk about it. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, yeah. Right. No, no, go ahead. I want to know, King, I want to know what actually – First of all, let's talk about Letters to Alice. I read a little synopsis of it um, that was sent to me. But what exactly is Letters to Alice? And I love the name. My well, mom's name is Alice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's first off, it's a it's a it's a story. It's a beautiful and powerful story. I really believe, and it's and it deals with this whole thing we're talking about, and that is awakening to live authentically to actually make your world a better world each and every day from the smallest things to the most systemic cultural things to be a part of that to live it out regardless of the outcome because that's where uh real uh the real joy the real depth sure the real pain the real struggle but to be in touch with that and to learn how to hold both extreme sadness uh, and injustice in one hand and yet see uh, the beauty and the joy and the hope uh, in the other hand, and to live those out step by step, that's what this book is really about. And, it, and it's set uh, in contemporary times as well as historical times, written in uh, alternating chapters, and then, of course, the book crosses over. These stories cross over. Uh, I'm not going to tell your listeners how that happens because that's a fun part of the book, the crossover, but the 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 uh, contemporary story are two writers, one living in New York, one uh, that uh, wrote several novels and never got anything out of them, never developed any publishing or readership, and he has shut down. They're sitting in the bottom of his desk drawer, and 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 his wife never wrote her first novel, but uh, went into the publishing business instead and became an editor at at uh, Harper Collins. Of course, this is fictionalized, but, but she, uh, so she never figured out how to open up. And so for one of the authors, it's about how to open up for the first time. And for the, for another author, it's about, and they're married, it's about reopening once you didn't get what you wanted out of it. And so that's this contemporary story. And in, in the historical story, uh, I, I go back to Stalinist Russia and the dissident authors and the great author Boris Pasternak that wrote Dr. Zhivago and over a period of years, decades actually, got it smuggled out of Russia to be published in the West, a great novel, Dr. Zhivago. And I create a 13-year-old girl that then goes through her life that becomes his protege and helps him smuggle that book out of Russia. 
Now that story, again, intertwines with the contemporary story of the husband and wife and the writers, but I'm not going to tell the listeners how that happens because the whole thing is about this idea of actually getting involved, of actually making a difference, like they smuggled that book out of Russia to make a difference and risk their lives doing it. And I think in today's society, um, folk, uh, more and more folk know that something systemically just isn't holding together real well, and we need to create a new way forward. Uh, yet we haven't really imagined what that is fully yet, and we haven't really come together to make that happen, although there's a lot of rumblings to do so. And so this book is a call to live into that. Yeah. Okay, I got you now. Yes, and we do. That means we need to start sticking together more. And oh, yes. stop worrying about what man have or I'm too jealous that you have this. Let's come together. Let's start getting it, people, because times are changing. We know these jobs are definitely changing. That's a fact. I mean, always yes. I believe in Boston they have a they have a McDonald's now where you can get your burger through an eight they call it the ATM. Someone already <laughs> here man has pre made it and you get your burger through that so we have to think about it. I mean, I love Uber and everything, but those are going to be changing too. We already have cars that run by themselves. So people need to start realizing. So I, I'm getting now your letters to Alice. This is a wake-up call. It's not just a, a fantasy or a love story like you probably would presume it to be by the, looking at the title. But this is real, reality. He's making you wake up, making you think. Is that the reason yeah. why you want it? Is that what really motivated you, what's actually going on in today's time um, to write this novel? Well, yes. I mean, I participated in Occupy Wall Street back a few years ago, and I went to Washington, D.C. and was in the public public square. And I would walk to and from and in and out of the square, and it it occurred to me one day, over here in the the square, we're having general assemblies, we're practicing – um, uh, participatory democracy. There was hope that that, and we sorted through the the bad ideas and let the good ideas sit to the top, and we acted on them. And there was hope in that square. And then, as I would walk, get out of the square, and of course, just be a part of general society, I saw what we all do, including myself, and that is just going back and forth to work, going about our business, doing our thing. And there's nothing wrong with that per se. But unless we're also involved in our public life and the commons and our politics, yes, uh, unless we're involved in making a difference, it will be made for us, those changes. And they won't be to our benefit. They're going to be to the benefit of this very small elite that are willing to take the reins. And we all have to take our reins. And so when I when I saw that difference, and really, it really uh, struck me, I said, you know what? I need to write a book, a story that, that, yes, has all the human elements, because human story has so much power. If, and this is what I call artivism. If I can write a story that moves you through the human elements of the story, the real human elements of the story, to see deeper truths that are going on around us, like this, 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 the fact that we're slumbering through rather than getting involved and that, that we, are, we have been conditioned to do that. Uh, but if I can write a story to, to get that uh, uh, resonance to readers, then, then that can really have an impact to change. And so that's why I got right. – I said, no, I need, I, I need to write a story. Yeah, I need to write a book about this. Right, get the message out there, wake people up. Yeah. Exactly. How how much of how much of the book is autobiographical? <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, in one sense, as I've already said, I am the slum. My very first sentence, and the and the and the and the male author that had written books and not been published and shut down, et cetera, and then needs to. It's about his transcendence and reawakening. Um, you know, my first sentence is he was a slumbering man, okay? And that's referring to this, this that we've been talking about, kind of knowing that 
it's not right out in in our community and in, even in our own lives in our own homes but but just slumbering through it rather than embracing it and doing something about it so he was a slumbering man and and in that regard uh, yeah i'm the slumbering man every day i have to do the things i need to do to uh inspire me and propel me to be involved to be actually authentic because if I don't do that, I, I move into hopelessness, you know? And so, so, so yes, in that regard, I am the slumbering man. But in the sense of am I a writer that lived in New York and went through the things that this man went through? No, I, fiction, I create a character and put him in circumstances to flesh out what it means to awaken and to get involved from our slumbering. So, Yes and no with reservations is the answer to your question. <laughs> it did. It answered it well, King. I appreciate that. Um, to me, I, I would like to know because, you know, that was a big topic. Occupy Wall Street was a big thing. I was at Clay State University at that time, and we was focusing on those issues. I even ha- had did it. Um, something that pertained to it, you know, um, yeah, but that was a big topic, like I said. So tell me, why exactly, because I know the listener probably want to know too, why did you tie the story to Occupy Wall Street? Well, I'll I tell you, it just seemed like a natural in, in, in this sense, and, and, and it's a thread in the story that kind of develops as the story goes along. And, and, and I, th- I think the reason I did is because, for me, um, you know, I, I got involved uh, with, uh, in 2008 with the Obama campaign, okay? And I went out and okay. campaigned for Obama hard. And the reason I did is Obama was talking about uh, remaking uh, the, 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 the political landscape really getting involved and making changes that actually serve we the people, okay? He, he was talking about not playing uh, inside ball in Washington, but taking that on. And while there's all sorts of uh, ways to analyze that, whether he got steamrolled by the other side or whether he just didn't lead the way he said he was going to lead in 08, um, it Why? didn't really happen that way. And so – those that were looking for that kind of new leadership, which I was one of, uh, I became politically depressed in that, in that period of time. I was like, where do we go now? I mean, you know, if, 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 if we're, if, you know, if we're not going to really go for these changes now, uh, where do we go? And the reason that was so important to me is I believe the issues that we have to face in our society are big enough and uh, immediate enough that we must face them or, we continue to, to come apart. And so, uh, and you just pick one, climate change, the wealth inequality gap, on and on and on. You can go on and on and on, healthcare. Uh, but but, but the, I felt like if we're, if we're not, don't have a real way to address those, where do we go now? Because our political system wasn't going to accommodate it on the left or the right. And so here comes Occupy Wall Street. And, I wasn't a radical in the streets type person, I, I, no. But I said, you know what? I'm going to go, and I went to Washington D.C. And in that square, I, for the first time in my life, really, and I believe, and remember, I'd worked in Washington D.C. for a U.S. senator, but for the first time in my life in that public square, I've, I've really felt like I was part of a real participatory democracy, real decisions in those general assemblies we went toward consensus everyone voice was heard uh we had committees that would work on things if you're specifically interested in it then present it we had teach-ins on and on and on and what i found was is the kind of wild ideas they they didn't get consensus but the really good ones that we could act on to actually serve we the people did get acted on and i was i was energized again i was like for the first time, I was like, this is what it was like uh, back in Athens, Greece, when everybody went and, and, and hashed it out in, in, in the public square, except only better, because there it was only white males that were, 
that were allowed in the square. And it, it, of course, in Occupy Wall Street, it was everyone. So I was like, no, this has hope, real hope. And, um, yeah, I felt like it needed to be a part of, 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 of the story because, because we need to get uh, involved in the public square. We just need to, yeah. Otherwise, it, it, what we, get, we get what we're getting today in our, in our culture, and that is, you know, you poll after poll after poll, pick an issue, 60, 70 percent of the people of the, of, the, of the nation will say this is what we want. Okay, just take an issue, health care. We, uh, we want universal health care coverage. 60% of the people in the United States say that poll after poll. But are the politicians going to support that on either, in either party? No. So we don't have a government that serves we the people. So, you know, yeah, we need a public square, and we need to get in it. <laughs> so this book is, yeah, I wanted to include Occupy Wall Street for those reasons. Wow, and and I will have to piggyback off that. You are so right. We do. We have to make a a stand. That's why things are the way they are. You hear people on social media. Well, I know I did. Seen it all on Facebook. I don't like it this way. Did you go vote? Did you go vote? Because some of you, no, I don't want to vote. Then keep your mouth closed. You have nothing to say if you did not go vote. I understand people's reasons, but at the same time, I also see it this way. I know people feel that, especially African-Americans, we feel that, hey, we have people to fight for us. We don't want to give up that vote. I respect that, especially what Nick Cannon said. But at the same time, I also feel that they fought for this right for us so long. Put your voice out there. Do something. Don't sit on the sideline, do nothing, and then when times get rough, then you want to go bark. No one wants to hear you now. No one wants to hear you, but you have made some good, valid points. I'm very interested. I think this book, this is another book. I always say that, that a book should be on your shelf, Well, you need to add this one to this as an addition. What well, exactly, I really appreciate that. You are so welcome. Now, in, in your book, I mean in the novel, because I got, like I said, I got a little bit brief, little taken of it. Um, there's a hero. The hero led us to Alex Frazier Pickett third. Um, is referred to as the slumbering man. Um, can you go over that for us, why, why we chose him as the main character? Um, a, just a little bit more detail on him. You bet. Well, I've kind of talked about him some already, but I, 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 I really, you know, <laughs> I really wanted a character that had had it, you know, that it was like, where do we, where, you know, I'm just going through the motions because when I try not to go through the motions, I don't get anything back from it. And, and that, that, that not only was with his novels in this story, trying to, you know, in his own creativity and his own writing, his own career, if you will, but, but, but also within his family, you know, uh, no, the, the, the inside the walls of his family married with two kids it had it had gotten bland and deadened because that happens so much in 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 our culture that is numbed out numbed out by whatever sources and i'm talking about benign uh media that doesn't really get to the issues or a, a reality tv that all is about gossip uh or reality tv news that's all about uh uh, uh, contentious uh, argument to tweak the senses versus real involvement. You pick it, and and so he was he was numbed out, and I, I really wanted I felt it was very important to deal with that by having really he's a hero, but in the classic sense of literature, he's an anti-hero, meaning he has all the flaws, all the weaknesses. He's not the guy that's ready to stand up and take the hill and a John Wayne. No, he's the opposite of that. He's the everyday guy that has lost his way. And, and so I wanted that anti-hero to be real and to yet transcend, to overcome, but not by um, being the tough guy, the natural hero that, are, you know, that let's call it this way, the caricature of a hero, 
but a real hero, one that says, I just can't live this way, and finds a way to live a different way, and finds a way to awaken, and, and uses community and others, uh, and, and even spirituality, to, to find a, that strength, to, to have hope, and to act on that hope, even when the odds aren't in your favor. And then good things happen. And then that's where miracles can happen. That's where good things can happen. So I really wanted a character that was this kind of anti-hero, if you will. And I believe you did just a well job of doing that, capturing that moment just for even us to just grab. Now, there are, um, I think I found throughout the letters to Alice uh, about music, and you write extensively about it. Throughout your throughout the novel, do you have a muse? Oh yes. Well, in fact, uh, I've had more than one muse over my lifetime, and I think it's important for everyone to have a muse. And that that muse is is really it, it's 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 uh, it's personified by the feminine archetype. But it's the open, it's the ocean, it's the creative, it's the possible, it's the air, it's 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 the fire. It's the things that awaken us and move us. And really, that feminine archetype, that muse, is inside us all. But it's also found in other people that have that. And so I really believe that we need to honor the muse because we need each other. We need one another to inspire one another to these heights because otherwise we get in a we, we get isolated and so yes uh in my novel i i i i create the dilemma of the muse uh and how to embrace the muse and and um i do it by in in the novel because in the husband and wife have lost that for one another and yet they have been that to some extent but they've lost it for one another and I create a a French, very attractive uh, uh, French uh, avant-garde artist by the name of Anastasie Moreau in the novel. And she and Frazier, the, the anti-hero, uh, they develop a muse affair, if you will. And I'm not going to tell the readers whether it actually develops into a physical affair or not. But they develop right. a muse affair. I, I will say that. And then it's all about what does that mean with regard to his marriage and uh, with his wife, Margaret, and what does that mean for Margaret, and what does that mean for him and Anastasia, and what does that mean for the muse, okay? And, and this is very tricky stuff, and that is if just by being in my marriage that there's no muse in, I don't have a muse, there's something wrong with my marriage, Okay, and yet by just going out and you know treating my marriage with disrespect and having a whatever to find some false sense of amuse or some sense a real sense of amuse, that that's not uh, holding together either. And so I wanted to put those dilemmas in place and honor the muse in that, not let the muse get snuffed out in the process. And so I do that in the book, <laughs> and you'll have to read it to figure out how. <laughs> Right, so we can't let you cheat on this. He's giving you a little bit no. of preview, but you got to set your own note. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's exactly, exactly right. That. We're going to take a commercial break, and we're going to come back with Mr. Grossman and discuss more about Letters to Alice. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Bright Side with Technician on Blog Talk Radio, baby. And I'm telling you, if you feel like you want to call in, it's never too late. You could do so now, even while we're on commercial break. So go on, call on in, child. We'll see you right back. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog, 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 Talk. Blog Talk Radio, baby. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work, <laughs> I get it. You're busy. 
So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. All right, we're back on with King Grossman. We're talking about his novel, Letters to Alice. And it's not a love story. It's more hint on the reality of everything. From Occupy Wall Street, this man comes from, and now he's bringing it to you into your home. I would love to know why why do you think King Frazier is myopic and what is his catalyst, his wife or his muse? <laughs> That's a great question. I wanna say though, before I answer that, every story, if it's any good, is a love story. But it's not necessarily a Harlequin romance story. <laughs> okay. Right. So, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. No, with regard to your question, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, <sighs> Fraser becomes myopic. In other words, he decides to um, live in a very small world where he doesn't – he puts the blinders on. And in, in the novel, I, I came up with this metaphor for that that I thought was kind of fun, and I really love it. Uh He's very nearsighted, actually, in in reality. Okay, in the in the in the novel, and he can't so 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 he can't see you if you're a few feet away from him. He's almost legally blind. So what he does, but but he doesn't tell people this. He he has this myop myopia come over him, and he doesn't tell people this, including his wife. And so he buys reading glass type frames where he wears them on the end of his nose, but they're really just for those uh, occasions that he has to look through them to see you at a distance, they're not reading glasses so that if he's driving a car, he doesn't run off the road or, you know, whatnot. But most of the time he looks over the top of them because he doesn't want to see you. Okay. He doesn't want to see you. He prefers it being fuzzed out. And this is a metaphor for how we live in today's world. We don't really want to see it. And so, um, you know, why are we that way? Well, we've talked about that some, but we tend to be that way. The culture encourages us to be that way. Just pick a subject. I mean, you know, I love golf, for example. But if if all I do is sit and watch the golf tournaments or play golf, four times a week, and I don't have this larger life, I'm, I'm gone. I'm out. I'm numbed, I'm numbed out. Pick, pick anything in our current culture that will keep us away from being whole individuals, and we kind of choose it. We choose to not see. And so, and why? Of course. I mean, you were talking earlier about, you know, vote, get involved. But I can understand the despair in voting when both parties, major parties, that can win an election, either one, neither one really represent the people very well. So it's like, where, where well, do I yeah. go vote? And, and so, so I'm saying, but I'm saying still vote because people did fight for it, but people know that's not enough. And so what do we have to do? We have to, we have to create a movement. We have to create we the people, create a new third party, create the nonviolent revolution, if you will, beyond the parties, within the parties, without the parties. And so – Without that being very clear, and in, in, in where do we go, it's easy to fall into this trap of being myopic, of, of choosing not to see. And so I really wanted to develop that in the story, and I, I, I really had fun with that metaphor <laughs> of the glasses <laughs> worn on the end of the nose. Yeah, I will, have to get, I will agree with you on that, King, because it is, I mean, in all reality – you had two candidates here, like neither one of them, no matter what, whoever won was going to be for you, regardless of what have the government ever really been for you. 
But, you know, we have to do something. We got to do something. That's we right. We got to do more than just go out. We have to do more than just go out here and protest, too. Oh, um, we have but, to develop a movement. Yeah, know, that's right. I totally agree with you. Right. People do have the power. We have the power. We have it. But we have to organize. We have to get together. Right. And we have to have an agenda that we demand change around. That's what has to happen. It has to happen throughout the country. But the, the good news about that is that it doesn't take uh, half the country to, to do that. It takes – if you study history and you study the most recent uh, scholarship on it, on this subject, if about 3% of the yeah. population actually maintains a movement, a real movement, and I agree with you, not, not just weekend protests, but a real movement demanding change, 3%. So in America, what would that be? 10 million people, Okay. Um, if, if that were to, to take place sustained, sustained, there are enough of the rest of the folk that are of goodwill that will come on board as the movement uh, gains its shape, and you can make the actual change happen. So this is the kind of thing that I foresee that we need. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Right. We got to do it, but it's going to take – it's going to take a whole nation. It's going to take a whole lot of people to really just come together and and and, and, yes, and getting real. In, stop living in the fantasy. We they living in the fantasy. I don't know what, what part of the world, but I see it the way it is. Most people saying that fantasy. You have to dig deeper. Like it's just so much. That's why I said either candidate. When you look at them, if you really digging, either candidate, I wouldn't have one on my table. Either. I wouldn't they're want to they're Clinton, working for the wrong people. Trump. Right. Yeah, they're they working are. for the wrong and it's people. So dirt, yeah. it's, it's so much dirt up underneath the surface. You have to actually go dig yourself. It's so much, but we will, we will end up talking about that on a different type of show, but we're going to send the letters <laughs> to Alex right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what, what enjoyment do you get from all this? Just writing, mm. laying it out all on the table, you know. Mm, mm. Well, writing is the is the richest, um, most satisfying uh, experience, and it's the most difficult experience that uh, you you that that I have, and I love it. It you because you fiction write writing fiction gives you the opportunity to go for deeper truths. See, I can create facts and circumstances and people, but they're all. They're all about going for this deeper truth, some of which we've been talking about. What are these deeper threads in this story that are important? And so it gives you this, this, this space to go uh, get with the page and go after these deeper truths. And what I find in writing is I'll, I'll have a deeper truth I'm going after and a heart to the story I'm really seeking, and I'm writing my heart out with these characters and these plot uh, progressions to, to, to try to get to it. But as I'm writing it, I'll find a better, deeper truth. I'll discover one because I've gotten so deeply into the story myself. And by getting into that uh, situation that's bigger than we are and, and participating in it on the page, I find these surprises, if you will, come off the page that are uh, – and, and they become threads in the story. They become part of the deeper truth. And so what could be better than that? <laughs> Right. <laughs> I don't think nothing could be better than that. Which one do you enjoy the most, writing the poetry or prose? Oh, um, I love them both. They're both the same, and they're both different. Um, and by that I mean uh, poetry is the same as writing a 800-page novel or 400-page novel in that there's a beginning, a middle, an end. There is a, a, a deeper truth uncovered, and there it, it is presented in a way that moves you. And it's, it, it, but, but poetry, of course, happens short. It's fire right now. Every word, every word uh, is, is explosive, or it's not a good poem. Okay? And so, and, 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 and so I love the immediacy of poetry. 
And I love the fact that you can do it in a time frame that doesn't take a year and a half or two years. I mean, you can write it in a day or two days or three days or a week or <clears throat> depending on the poem, a few hours. <clears throat> but it's the same thing. To write a great poem, you've got to go just that deep. In a novel, of course, you write it over a period of a year or two uh, or three. And, and so it's, it's this its richness is I have just entered into something that is so much bigger than me that it's beyond belief. And I'm going to stick with it and ride the waves. And that's such a <clears throat> magnificent process of growth and exploration and a dance with creativity uh, that it in itself is, is just beyond. And so if, if you forced me to choose between one or the other, I wouldn't know how I would do it, to be honest. Um, uh, I, I just think they're both essential. And, and I, I, um, I, I write my novels in a form that I call poetic prose. You know, they're designed to have a song to them, to move the reader, uh, not just to have words on the page. Right. I mean, you could just really, the the words just take you in, especially like with Chapter 2, the silent epigram. Our lives no longer feel ground under them. At 10 pictures, you can't hear our words. But whenever there's a natural talk, it turns to the criminal mountaineer. The 10 thick worms, his fingers, his words, like measures of weight, like everything just goes so well together. And it, it gives you a vivid imagination of it all, like, ooh. I, I it bring, love it. It brings. I yeah, do. and so I reuse poetry in in the book, you know, and and and, uh, and yet I, it's a story. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're most definitely welcome. What? So what's next for you, King Grossman? Because you, you're into social activism. You're writing your novels. What What's next for you? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because, uh, I mean. One is I'm writing my fourth novel right now, and it, it's a novel that deals with uh, – uh, it's called Ishmael's Scroll. It's about finding a new ancient scroll, and uh, it's it's a, a religious scroll that kind of shakes the world. Uh, but it's it, it's a – why I'm writing the book is, is, is I believe that more than ever before, and it's always happened throughout history, but right now – it's just ratcheting up to a fever pitch, and that is the manipulation of religions for people's own power gains. And I, I'm, I'm trying to explore this concept in the book through story, again, but the thread to it is that rather than tolerate other religions, we need to learn how to embrace and learn from and share our own faith and receive others and to actually go beyond tolerance, no, actually love, appreciate, worship together without giving up our beliefs, but actually deepening them. And it sounds at first like a paradox uh, or an impossibility, but it's not because I've practiced it in my own life in interfaith uh, activities. When, when, when I actually sit down and and look at, at, at my faith as a follower. I, 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 I grew up in a follower of Christ home, and that's my faith, although I believe Christ uh, and my faith encompasses every uh, created thing, every created being for all time. But other faiths, other religions, and those that don't have a stated religion, sit down together and find where you can worship together, what you agree on in the mystery. And you'll find, if, you, if you're honest, and you're open, that that's where love emerges and healing occurs. And I've had it happen to me many a time. And so I believe that God's big enough to be right in the middle of all that. And so we don't have to do this religious turf protecting. No, we need to share it in abundance and receive it in abundance from others, which means uh, risking that something we believe may not be just quite right. <laughs> and so this book is ex this this book is exploring all of that.
through uh, hopefully a really fun story about finding a new religious, ancient religious document. Um, and uh, so I'm working on that. And then, of course, um, I'm uh, uh, moving forward with, uh, with, with wherever uh, my heart is called to the next uh, thing because I want to be a part of this movement actually in the streets and organizing and moving forward on that. And so I, I was recently at Standing Rock uh, with the Lakota Sioux. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that project, they've been removed from that ground, and that project is going forward, but the protest is going forward across the country. Uh, and there's now a movement to get the banks to divest that are investing in it. I'll, I'll be involved in that, but, but I'm also working with uh, some folk on creating a sustainable community, you know, uh, it's not just that we need to make these political changes in the policies, which we do, but we need to create a sustainable way of living together. So when, so that we have, um, we, so that we have uh, uh, something that actually works if we make the changes. Um, and so, yeah, so so I'm very uh, excited about sustainable community, intentional community. Uh, tiny homes, if you will, uh, everything that fits together, but that that that, that works together, and 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 that, and that people that come together in in a community in local community and 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 work for the common good. So, I'm interested in, in these things. I'll be involved in. I'm involved in some of these activities. Um, another thing I'll mention is this year I was asked to judge the uh, wonderful organization. It's located in New York. Uh, the Scholastic. Uh, uh, writing and art awards, and they take young high school students from across the country. In fact, there's several in, in Atlanta area, and these writers, uh, poets, writers, artists, they submit their work from all over the country, and even outside the country as well. And then they're selected, uh, and, and 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 you know, and, and, and nurtured, and awards are given. And um, I will tell you from reading these young writers, the imagination, the critical thinking, the very things we've been talking about. They're out there, and so we need to nurture them. So I want to get more involved with that organization. Like I said, I judged some of the work this year, but um, I, I want to get even more involved in nurturing young writers uh, to help us imagine our way out of this stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, also, I didn't mention this, but you're also now hosting a monthly segment on a broadcast called Your Town Television Program throughout the Monterey Bay area in California. So if you're in that area, you make sure you check that out. And you're exploring all the intersections of art and social justice, artivism. So that is awesome. Right. Uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I have a monthly segment uh, for an hour on uh, here in, in the Monterey area on the public uh, television. And, um, yeah, we're doing this, the very things we've been talking about. We're We're having – local writers and artists and activists on and we're saying how do we do this as a community yeah yeah i told you king keep yourself busy when do you have time to ask to relax king because you look like you have a lot on your plate writing television show well this is a good question i mean if you really get involved take those you know lose the myopia Stop slumbering. Remind yourself every day to stop slumbering and move forward. It's hard work, but it's rewarding work. It's exhausting work, but it's hard work. And so part of that is we have to do things that, 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 that we see beauty in, that we enjoy, that, you know, I, I hike. I walk on the beach uh, here uh, right along the Pacific in California. I, I like to play around the golf every now and then. So the idea is to use those things to infuse me with beauty and to do some things that are just fun to balance out against the hard work. And that's very important. If, if we don't do those things that fill us up uh, and all we're doing is giving out uh, to the service to make the world a better place, we'll, we'll deplete ourselves. So I think fun Having fun is just as important as standing on the front lines in a, in a, in a movement. It's just that you've got to do both at different times. Yeah. Exactly. Well, K, 
King, before you leave, I always ask my guests, please tell us where we can actually get your book from. Well, thank you. Yeah, you can go to uh, Amazon or Barnes & Noble or your local bookseller. And I encourage people to go to the, a local independent bookstore, and if they have it on the shelf, buy letters to Alice. If not, order it through them. Um, because these local independent bookstores are places of community where everything we're talking about is happening. And so you can get it through your local bookstore, or you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and order it, or you can go to my website, which is www.kinggrossman.org, and you can order it off of there as well. Well, I tell you, it's been a real pleasure. And looking at your looking at your pictures, I said he has his platinum hair. I love I love your hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, my hair started going salt and pepper in my late twenties, and by the time I was in my mid thirties, it was mostly uh, on the on the on the white side. And now it's it's I'm just you know the, my 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 son and his friends I, they they call me Greyhound. <laughs> it's all, you see it, yeah. I, I said I, I said I love it. It's just it's, it's just as pretty as it wants to be. But, King, I do. I appreciate you for coming on to the show. Um, if you don't have a copy, please make sure you get a copy. I ended up getting mine through Kindle. But I always love to have the paperback in my hand. It's nothing more better than having that paperback, the smell of the pages and everything. I I love it all. But, King, once again, I do. I thank you for coming on and enlightening us with this. Um, and I hope when your fourth novel hit, I want to make sure to have you back on again. Well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun, Tignesia, and uh, I really appreciate the time together. Let's do it again sometime. Yes, most definitely. And, and my listeners, you know, before I leave you, I always love to give you the truth of the day, and the truth of the day is this from my friend Mary Ellen. It's the opportunity to do what you want when you want and the ability to choose how you want to do it. No matter where you were born, at the time of your birth, you were free and innocent. Sometimes due to geography and politics, your freedoms are controlled. Even people in America who think they are free are not free if they allow their fears to control them. This ability to think your own thoughts and make your own choices is precious. The price for freedom is high. Many people all over the world have laid down their lives to pursue freedom for their country and the people who live there. Today, express gratitude for all the freedoms you have been given. Enjoy the day and have lots of fun this weekend appreciating your freedoms, which King and I have talked about. We have been gave of freedom, so let's utilize it. Do not abuse it. And remember, either your mind has to expand and match or your goals with strength to match your mind. So let's grow. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 